What child is this? It's the question that that song asks. It's the most important question that could be asked. It's the same as the question Jesus asks when he's with his disciples. Who do you say I am? It's the identity question. Well, let's see if we can find an answer. But to really appreciate this answer, we have to begin with darkness. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 19. When someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? But have you ever noticed people when they get to their extremity, the crazy things they'll do to try to find light? Consult God's instruction in the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged, and looking upward will curse their king and their God. Then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. And they will be thrust into utter darkness. It's a, a pretty dark description, isn't it? This description of reality in a world without the light of God. If you reject light, life in the dark is the only life left. Such was the situation in Israel in the time of Isaiah when he wrote these words. But as bad as it was in Israel, imagine how bad it was in the Gentile world. But because God loves the world, he promises and delivers light to those in the dark. The very next verse begins in the next chapter. Chapter 9, verse 1 says, Nevertheless, despite the way the people are, chapter 9, verse 1 says, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a what? A great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire, for unto us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. 
Now, you know those words. We read them a little bit before when we did our, our responsive reading, our call to worship at the beginning, but you also probably know them thanks to Handel and the Messiah who put those to memorable tune. But did you know the context where those words rest? The key message here is that God will bring light to the darkness by sending a Redeemer to be born as a baby. Matthew makes this connection for us, if we had any doubt in our minds. Matthew 4, verse 12. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Matthew quotes Isaiah chapter 9 and makes this direct connection with Jesus so that we would not be confused at all and we would realize Jesus was the light that dawned. This is one of the things I believe that John is trying to tell us in his birth narrative. Now, you're thinking, wait a minute, there's no birth narrative in John. There's there's Matthew and there's Luke, but but now, okay, that's fair. He doesn't talk about Bethlehem and he doesn't talk about shepherds and wise men, but, but his is more of a theological narrative. John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Remember, we're trying to figure out what child is this, right? He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the what? Light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name. Now, I just want to stop there for a second. Those who believed in his name. What child is this? Who do you say that I am? Those who believe the confession, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. People who live in darkness need great light. Malachi 4, verse 1, For behold, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, and all the arrogant and every evildoer will be chaff. And the day that is coming will set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will not leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. You who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness, the light, will rise with healing in its wings. 
and you will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. Do you live in darkness? Do you need light? John 3, 19, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. John 12, 46, I have come into the world, Jesus said, as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. The child born that night in Bethlehem was and is the Messiah, the Son of God. Did you know this? Are you living like you know this? In other words, He came as light. Are you living in the light? Or are you still living in the dark? Colossians 1, verse 15. What child is this? The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in him. What child is this? Well, he is the Christ, the Son of God. Did you know? Thank you. 
Amen. As we uh, bring our cares and concerns and joys to God this morning, we've been asked to remember the family and friends of Wimberly Wolf, who passed away earlier this past week on Monday. Uh, service details will be upcoming. And also this morning, Harold Theobald, who's having a little health uh, event this morning, so keep him in your prayers as well and his family. So if you would kneel with me, the prayer I'll be doing this morning is Robert Louis Stevenson's A Christmas Prayer. Loving Father, help us remember the birth of Jesus, that we may share in the song of the angels, the gladness of the shepherds, and the worship of the wise men. Close the door of hate and open the door of love all over the world. Let kindness come with every gift and good desires with every greeting. Deliver us from evil by the blessing which only Christ can bring and teach us to be merry with cheer hearts. May the Christmas morning make us happy to be thy children, and Christmas evening bring us to our beds with grateful thoughts, forgiving and forgiven, for Jesus' sake, amen. Appreciate our brass being with us today and appreciate Brother Ron Jensen leading out again. Nice to see him back participating with the brass. I want to read you a story. This comes from Desire of Ages. The King of Glory stooped low to take humanity. Rude and forbidding were his earthly surroundings. His glory was veiled that the majesty of his outward form might not become an object of attraction. He shunned all outward display. Jesus purposed that no attraction of an earthly nature should call men to his side. Only the beauty of heavenly truth must draw those who would follow him. The character of the Messiah had long been foretold in prophecy, and he desired men to accept him upon the testimony of the Word of God. The angels had wondered at the glorious plan of redemption. They watched to see how the people of God would receive His Son, clothed in the garb of humanity. Angels came to the land of the chosen people. Other nations were dealing in fables and worshiping false gods. To the land where the glory of God had been revealed and the light of prophecy had shown, the angels came. They came unseen to Jerusalem to the appointed expositors of the sacred oracles and the ministers of God's house. Already to Zacharias the priest as he ministered before the altar, the nearness of Christ's coming had been announced. Already the forerunner was born, his mission attested by miracle and prophecy. 
The tidings of his birth and the wonderful significance of his mission had been spread abroad, yet Jerusalem was not preparing to welcome her Redeemer. With amazement, the heavenly messengers beheld the indifference of the people whom God had called to communicate to the world the light of sacred truth. The priests and teachers of the nation knew not that the greatest event of all the ages was about to take place. They rehearsed their meaningless prayers and performed the rites of worship to be seen by men. But in their strife for riches and worldly honor, they were not prepared for the revelation of the Messiah. The same indifference pervaded the land of Israel. Hearts selfish and world-engrossed were untouched by the joy that thrilled all heaven. Only a few were longing to behold the unseen. To these, heaven's embassy was sent. Angels attend Joseph and Mary as they journey from their home in Nazareth to the city of David. The decree of imperial Rome for the enrollment of the peoples of her vast dominion has extended to the dwellers among the hills of Galilee. As in old times, Cyrus was called to the throne of the world's empire that he might set the captives, set free the captives of the Lord. So Caesar Augustus is made the agent for the fulfillment of God's purpose in bringing the mother of Jesus to Bethlehem. She is of the lineage of David, and the son of David must be born in David's city. Out of Bethlehem, said the prophet, shall he come forth, that is to be the ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from the days of eternity. But in the city of their royal line, Joseph and Mary are unrecognized and unhonored. Weary and homeless, they traverse the entire length of the narrow street from the gate of the city to the eastern extremity of the town, vainly seeking a resting place for the night. There is no room for them at the crowded inn. In a rude building where the beasts are sheltered, they at last find refuge. And here, the Redeemer of the world is born. Men know it not, but the tidings fill heaven with rejoicing. With a deeper and more tender interest, the holy beings from the world of light are drawn to the earth. The whole world is brighter for his presence. Above the hills of Bethlehem are gathered an innumerable throng of angels. They wait the signal to declare the glad news to the world. Had the leaders in Israel been true to their trust, they might have shared the joy of heralding the birth of Jesus. But now they are passed by. In the fields where the boy David had led his flock, shepherds were still keeping watch by night. Through the silent hours, they talked together of the promised Savior and prayed for the coming of the king to David's throne. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. 
At these words, visions of glory fill the minds of the listening shepherds. The Deliverer has come to Israel. Power, exaltation, triumph are associated with His coming. But the angel must prepare them to recognize their Savior in poverty and humiliation. This shall be a sign unto you, he says. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. The heavenly messenger had quieted their fears. He had told them how to find Jesus. With tender regard for their human weakness, he had given them time to become accustomed to the divine radiance. Then the joy and glory could no longer be hidden. The whole plain was lighted up with the bright shining of the host of God. Earth was hushed, and heaven stooped to listen to the song. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. What had been a silent night so far became a not-so-silent night as the shepherds beheld the glory of the angels and heard their song. I wonder what that song sounded like. Can you imagine what it was like to hear the angels singing on high? Angels we have heard on high singing sweetly through the night and the mountains in reply that your great
So it's definitely the season of joy and giving. In fact, Forbes magazine expects that this year, Christmas, we'll spend $700 billion in this season. That's an astounding number. And they expect the average American to spend about $900 on Christmas. If they break that down, they say about 54% of that will go towards gifts, about 21% towards travel as we go around the country seeing family, and about 11% on decorations, and then the balance is miscellaneous other things. Those are some crazy numbers when you think about it. They also astonishingly predict 40% of Americans will go into debt over Christmas. So we've been talking a lot over the last couple months about disciplined giving and stewardship. And so when we think about that, I think that 40% number would be a lot lower if we all had that discipline as a country and that stewardship to plan our giving. So when we think about our church, that's no different. We have things that we have to give towards. This week's offering is for Florida Advance, which supports a lot of our conference-funded programs, camps and schools and things that are a terrific outreach in our state. But also don't forget our church budget that funds all the programs locally that we have as well. So as you think about your giving this week and next week and we go into the next year, is your giving to the church in that 54% gift bucket or is it more like a decoration in that 11% bucket? Bethlehem appeared a star while angels sang to lowly shepherds three wise men seeking truth traveled from afar hoping to find the child from heaven falling on their knees they bow before the humble Prince of Peace. I bring an offering of worship to my King. No one on earth deserves the praises that I sing. Jesus, may you receive the honor that you're due. Lord, I bring an offering to you. The sun cannot compare. The sun cannot compare to the glory of your love. There is no shadow in your It's only 
disappeared, the light faded away, and the shadows of night once more fell on the hills of Bethlehem. But the brightest picture ever beheld by human eyes remained in the memory of the shepherds. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem. And see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. The story of Bethlehem is an exhaustless theme. In it is hidden the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. We marvel at the Savior's sacrifice in exchanging the throne of heaven for the manger and the companionship of adoring angels for the beasts of the stall. Human pride and self-sufficiency stand rebuked in His presence. This story of the shepherds and the angels and the baby born in the manger. It was while reflecting upon this story and the miracle of the incarnation of the Son of God, born a human child, that the most famous Christmas carol of all came to be. Here's how it happened. In 1818, a roving band of actors was performing in towns throughout the Austrian Alps. On December 23, they arrived at Oberndorf, a village near Salzburg, where they were to reenact the story of Christ's birth in the small church of St. Nicholas. Now, I've got a map here for you so you know where Oberndorf is. So we've got Austria here in Central Europe, and you've got Vienna over there on the right. That's the capital. Salzburg over there on the left. That's where the family von Trapp came from. You remember them? And uh, Oberndorf, just north of there, kind of a pretty place, right? 
Not a bad place to, to live, Oberndorf. Now, there's an amazing thing. That's not actually the, the old church, but there is a picture of the old church. Now, you see, it's right there on that river, and that river flooded in the year 1899 and so damaged the church that they didn't rebuild it there. They moved it further up so that it wouldn't be damaged again. But this, this was where the play was supposed to take place. Unfortunately, the St. Nicholas Church organ wasn't working and would not be repaired before Christmas. Turns out ours is not the only church that has maintenance issues from time to time. Some versions of this story say that it was mice that had created the problem. Other versions say that rust was the culprit. But whatever it was, the organ wasn't working. Because the church organ was out of commission, the actors presented their Christmas drama in a private home. Now, you're thinking, how would they do that in my house? But, but I want you to go back to the family Von Trapp idea. There were people that had houses big enough to put on a play. That Christmas presentation of the events of the first chapters of Matthew and Luke put assistant pastor Joseph Moore in a meditative mood. Instead of walking straight to his house that night, Moore took a longer way home. The longer path took him up over a hill overlooking the village. From that hilltop, Moore looked down on the peaceful snow-covered village. Reveling in majestic silence in the wintry night, Moore gazed down at the glowing Christmas card-like scene. His thoughts about the Christmas play he had just seen made him remember a poem he had written a couple of years before. That poem was about the night when angels announced the birth of the long-awaited Messiah to shepherds on a hillside. Moore decided those words might make a good carol for his congregation the following evening at their Christmas Eve service. The one problem was that he didn't have any music to which that poem could be sung. So the next day, Moore went to see the church organist, Franz Zyver Gruber. How did I do? Pretty good? All right, my German's not great. Gruber only had a few hours to come up with a melody which could be sung with a guitar. However, by that evening, Gruber had managed to compose a musical setting for the poem. It no longer mattered to Moore and Gruber that their church organ was inoperable. They now had a Christmas carol that could be sung without an organ. On Christmas Eve, the little Oberndorf congregation heard Gruber and Moore sing their new composition to the accompaniment of Gruber's guitar. But it really was more an accident that this song even got out of Oberndorf and to the rest of the world. But you know what? I'm going to let you figure that story out for yourself. You just go home and type Silent Night into Google. It'll tell you the rest of the story. Instead, for now, I want to invite you to enter into the peace of this classic Christmas carol put to music 200 years ago this Christmas. Close your eyes and imagine the scene when Christ the Savior was born. Can you see in this child your Redeemer? God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him 
should not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you believe in Jesus? Then you no longer walk in darkness, for light has come into your world, and the Son of Righteousness has risen with healing in His wings. Herein is love. Wonder, O heavens, and be astonished, O earth. Sing Silent
now, Sovereign Lord, dismiss your servants in peace. For our eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people, Israel. Amen.